This is the National Medicine Symposium from the Canberra National Convention Centre. Welcome to this panel discussion this morning. Um, my name's Karen Kay. I'm from NPS Medicine Wise, and it's my pleasure to um, introduce this session, which is uh, a panel discussion about the Bowerville Real, Bower uh, Solution Brokerage. And we'll have the opportunity to hear about um, Mid-North Coast Local Health District and um, consumer empowerment in healthcare delivery. Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we're meeting today, the Ngunnawal people, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and future. And uh, also acknowledge all First Nations people who are here with us today um, in what is a very special week, the um, Reconciliation Action Week. We have three panellists, and I'm not going to introduce them. I'm going to um, uh, hand over to our very capable facilitator for today's conversation, um, Louisa Eckert from Mid-North Coast Local Health District, and, uh, and Louisa will be the facilitator for today's discussion. So over to you, Louisa. Thank you. Good morning, and thank you for coming to this session. It probably does seem a little bit left of the middle um, with what else is going on at the symposium, but um, I hope you find it as valuable as we have the journey that we've taken together. I'd also like to um, acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which we meet today and pay my respects to Elders past, present, and also our future um, Aboriginal leaders. Um, I'd like to reflect on the Welcome to Country by Tina Brown yesterday and how positive and inspiring and warm her welcome was and also her focus on moving forward together um, in a partnership and in unity. I thought that was really a really nice way to start. Um, being completely honest, I did have a bit of a freak out moment yesterday thinking what am I doing at the National Medicine Symposium um, and probably seeing the intimate session now I'm freaking out again, but that's okay. Um, but I guess hearing the keynote speakers, Professor Jeremy Nicholson, Professor Keith McNeil and Professor Michael Dooley, they signified that our fundamental focus should always be on the patient, the consumer and the community that our clinical interactions are the basis to drive any information, data, costs, patient experience, and appropriate healthcare delivery for our community. And that the flow of data to shape healthcare starts at that very moment when the clinician's sitting in front of a patient. So at the core of the Barraville Solution Brokerage is our community. It always has been and it will continue to be. So, um, as Karen said, my name is Louisa and I'm the project officer for, um, I work for Integrated Care for the local health district and I was the appointed project officer for the Barraville Solution Brokerage Health Response. Um, so I coordinated a lot of information um, that went back up through Department of Premier and Cabinet and the Barraville Solution Brokerage team. Um, I'm an occupational therapist by trade, and so while my focus has always been on the patient and patient outcomes, I did find this program and this model really challenging. Bless you. Um, I've learned so much about community and what that really means, um, about the significant gaps between what we as health care professionals think and what's actually really going on in the community about rural healthcare and rural community disadvantages. So I'm a city slicker by heart and um, thought really, I, I didn't know that much about it and there's actually massive disadvantages in rural communities. 
I've learned so much about our Aboriginal people and how essential and significant our commitment to closing the gap really is and needs to be. So I'd like to introduce my panel members. Um, and I'll start off with the rose between the thorns over there, which is Mr <laughs> David. Um, David is the uh, Barraville Central School Principal. On uh, closest to the window, we've got Tracy Baker, who is our uh, or my manager uh, for integrated primary care with the local health district, and has really been my rock. Um, I've often called and said, oh, "I don't know what I'm doing," and she's been great. And closest to me, we've got Tracy Singleton, who was the fearless leader, project director for the Barraville Solution Brokerage, and works for. Um, Aboriginal Affairs and Tracy also has a very close and significant relationship with the Barraville community. Um, I guess the um, the intimacy of today's session affords us the opportunity to keep it really casual and um, so I really actually invite you guys to um, ask questions as we go along. Don't wait until the end. Please interrupt. Um, this is what it's all about and I think where we've moved to in terms of um, organisation integration and also organisation to community integration is where our relationship's at as a bunch of professionals and a bunch of community people first and foremost. So um, yeah, just get involved, ask questions and don't wait till the end. We'll keep it nice and casual. So I'd like to start the session um, by sharing a clip that introduces Barraville and some of the amazing people who are a part of the team of which we are now. We want to prepare our kids for the future. We should focus on our kids, not as just an Aboriginal or non-Aboriginal. And I'd like our kids to be confident so they can go out there and build their lives and then come back home with, with what they've learned and bring it back to the community. Solution Brokerage seemed to offer a new, innovative kind of way of doing a, a, a whole of community building piece that we hadn't really done in New South Wales. Before we just kind of roll out a program, we should have a bit of a deeper dive into really understanding what their, their needs are around healing. And so it was really about, well, how do we build a sense of resilience? How do we build some trust in that community? The health, you know, seeing facilities back in the health facilities, and hopefully down the track we'll get doctors here. You know, we had a patient reported measures workshop um, two weeks ago now where we had um, 10 community members come as part of that workshop. It was an opportunity for them to have a voice and um, be a part of how health services are designed and delivered in their communities. I think it's fantastic. It's what it's all about, that's why we're here. We're a little bit pessimistic early, but I think the workshops that they conducted were done in good faith. You know, they, everyone was entitled to be there and everyone had their say. You know, no one was sort of not given an opportunity to, to, to voice their opinion and that sort of stuff. And it gave us an opportunity to see the people that are making decisions at the top, what they thought of Barable and what they were going to try and achieve. The greatest thing to come out of the Solution Brokerage is that opportunity to network and form partnerships with huge range of different organisations and government departments. I think that the relationships we have formed will be long lasting now because people are starting to listen and I always say that the preschool is the heart of this community. I'd like to see it, you know, like the thriving community that it was an active community that it used to be. Yeah, I hope it really does end up being a place like that where everyone is strong and proud of who they are and where they're from.
we're, we're a town that's always survived and done good anyway. But we can do it better, and I think something like Solution Breakage with the, the John Millie Barunga group um, gives it that opportunity to be more successful. I think there's still a lot of work to do and a lot of commitments that have to be delivered, but I think this is nonetheless something that everyone who's participated from government, community and elsewhere could rightly be proud of that we've, we've got it this far. Now one of the things they said to me in the early days is that people keep promising all these things but they're not listening to what we actually want. And when it got down to it, they weren't asking for a lot, but they just wanted someone to listen. And the work that they've done will benefit not just them, but many other people in Barraville. You know, their foresight, their preparedness to be open, their efforts and energy that they've put into this, uh, I just think is absolutely amazing and I feel honoured to have had that opportunity as part of my career to work with such an inspiring community. That video still gives me um, a bit of chills up my spine actually, thinking about where we started and where we've actually come to to this point today. So I'm actually going to um, direct my first question to Tracy Singleton. Tracy, as the project director for Barraville Solution Brokerage, can you give us a bit of a background as to how the Solution Brokerage and why the Solution Brokerage was de declared in Barraville? So in 2013, there was a parliamentary inquiry into the unsolved murders of three children in Barraville. Um, and it was the first time families in... 20-odd years had been afforded the opportunity to talk about how they felt and what, you know, the injustice of it being unsolved. Uh, in November 2013, the report was tabled. The uh, report had 15 recommendations. Of those 15 recommendations, Aboriginal Affairs by default became um, responsible for two, recommendation 13, which was around healing, and recommendation 15, which was about building memorials for the children. Um, recommendation 13, by default, became my responsibility. At that time, I was the regional manager of the um, Aboriginal Affairs Greater Northern Region, and Barrable took in part of that region. Um, we were we weren't sure what that actually meant because healing means something different to everybody. Healing means something different to every community. So we commissioned uh, an expert in the healing area. We commissioned uh, a Grant Sarah um, to come in and actually talk to each of the families. And that actually had never happened in the 20 odd years that this um, had been, they had been lobbying government and the justice system. No one had actually asked them how they felt. So. They actually, um, Grant actually met with each family group. So he met with five family groups. I know there's two sides of every group, but one family group, they were very tight, so, and they've been tight right through this process. So the Walker Craig family he met with. He met with the Speedy family and the Juro family. The Juro family actually was in Queensland, so we had to go across the border. And then he met with the Greenup family and the Statham's family. Um, there are a number of recommendations that came from Grant's report too. Um, some of those we're still working through. But one in particular was that he felt that we had a, an ex, it was an extraordinary um, issue um, that affected not just the Barrable community, went broader than that, and that there was a trigger that could be used by the state to actually deal with that, and that was solution brokerage, because at each group 
actually said the dysfunction within the community had escalated and that they needed to get in there and actually work with the community. Um, the, um, so Jason Ardler, the, you've seen him on the film, is the head of Aboriginal Affairs. He actually has the authority to actually tr trigger solution brokerage without going to his secretary or minister. If there is, um, if he feels that it actually meets all the criteria, he can trigger it. He can also appoint a secre another secretary to be the officer in charge of that issue, which is quite unique to have that kind of authority within government. So after some time on the, so that all happened between the 2013 and 2015-16. So it wasn't until the 15th of September 2016 that Solution Brokerage was actually declared and an officer in charge was appointed. And that officer in charge was also Carolyn McNally, the Secretary of Department of Planning and Environment. And I think she was a breath of fresh air for this project. She's very staunch and she wanted to know what was really going on. She took it very, very seriously. So in 2017, I went across to work for planning. I actually worked directly to the secretary on this project. Um, the project by, um, also started to address by default and just by natural, by a natural evolutionary process to actually start to bring some of the other uh, recommendations that hadn't been completed into the fore. So recommendation 14, which was about youth services and family and community services were responsible. And also recommendations 10 to 12, which were the responsibility of health. And they were things like getting a medical service back into town, looking at mental health services, um, mental health services, medical services, child and family. Yeah, health, I'll leave you to that one. And we couldn't go near um, one to nine because they're all about justice and the justice issues, the courts and other. So um, to do this efficiently, um, or as best we could, first of all, I went to town, I actually talked to every governance group in town because everybody's a member of something in town. So, and I spoke to all of them and said, we need to bring a group together. Once you've brought that group together, it's up to you who you have at the table. That included the school as well, because the school actually is the center of that community. Um, the central school is also St Mary's, there's another school in town too. Um, and then we also needed the government to have a group come to the table as well, so that was left up to premiers to sort out. And then it's quite uniquely, because this was so high profile, we actually had what we call an interagency working group. And that was a group that was brought together by premiers, and so every department that was responsible for something had to come to the table often to discuss how they were progressing with this. And that group actually quite uniquely had um, ministers, policy advisors and senior um, bureaucrats all sitting at the table, even though generally they're in their silos trying to work together. It actually wasn't too bad at that table. It was when we moved down the table that it was a bit of an issue. So from there, Carol McNally basically um, spent the first six months listening to the community, which was quite interesting, um, and trying to, um, I suppose, work her way through all the issues and uh, trying to actually understand why it was such an issue, why community couldn't actually get the services. And she could not, um, she had a battle trying to work out how, that, how things worked. So for her, how could the community ever organise themselves or individuals get the services that they wanted? So she, because then she was able to trigger solution brokerage. And once she triggers it, everybody has to come to the table. She has the authority to bring everyone to the table. 
and then it was a, well, a six-month journey turned into a 15-month journey. So, and then we're here today, so there's quite a bit that, there's some more films you'll get to see, and there's lots of outcomes that have come out. This has been extraordinary. I've never seen it work like this. It was quite unusual for government departments to actually sit at the table, the same table, and work together and have to find solutions together for things. So, almost like wraparound services, but they, yeah, I think they did remarkably well. I've never seen anything like it, so. Tracy, this is only the third or fourth solution brokerage, is that correct? That's right. There's only been three that have been declared. So in Murdy Parky, the um, early childhood, um, on the south coast at Eden was a uh, land issue and they were both tier twos. This is the first tier three that's ever been declared. So. Thank you. Tracy talked... Oh, sorry. I just wanted to ask a question of Tracy. Um, you talked about... Um, solutions having a particular criteria? Yeah. Just elaborate on So uh, tier one is if there's a local or a community issue that can be resolved locally. So usually there's uh, agencies locally that can actually resolve that. We would appoint an officer in charge probably at my level, which is middle management, to actually um, to, you know, work with the community. It doesn't give you much authority, but you can usually do it at tier one. A tier two is when there's a com more complex local or regional issue, and then you bring somebody that's at a director level to actually try and resolve that. But a tier three is a major policy issue or an extraordinary issue that can't be resolved, or a statewide issue. So yeah, that's basically the three criteria. So Tracy did mention about, I guess, the um, extraordinary work that went in went into that, and I think it's important to note that even though um, there's the tier, so the, I guess the criteria for the solution brokerage, no solution brokerage, I believe, has been the same. And Barraville was the, the first solution brokerage to have auspiced a community governance group, um, of which David Taylor is a part of, and. Um, it, it was always referred to the CRG, the Community Reference Group, until the community group actually changed their name to Jan Millie Burunga, which means Gathering Barraville. Um, so I'm actually going to throw this to David. David, can you explain the function and the role of the Jan Millie Burunga and talk about some of the priorities that the group had for their community? No worries. I'm a school teacher, so I probably don't need this. Oh, you do because we're recording. Oh, recording, sorry. Um, <laughs> so. Um, the important thing is that, so what happens with um, how the solution brokerage has gone is that there is a group of at-level people from government basically have regularly met in their own meeting and then running parallel to that, usually on the same day, is our, our community reference group and, and they feed into each other both ways which is really important. So um, from our community reference group and as Craig um, said, who is our chair, um, everyone's entitled to be there and everyone's entitled to have their say, and that's really important. So on our group we have, and what's really also quite critical is that pretty well everyone has a job apart from being on this group. So they're giving up their time, they're giving up their um, you know, commitment and passion just to make a, um, a difference in Barraville. So we have um, the principal, me, the principal from Barraville Central School, the principal from St Mary's, uh, which is a local Catholic primary school, uh, Katie Heather, who is from the preschool. So we sort of represent the education people in town, uh, but we have representation from health. We have uh, a number of Aboriginal organisations in town who have all been invited and all continue to be invited every time. Um, and some of the, 
Sometimes they are drop-in, sort of drop-out type things that happen, um, but they are all invited to the table to have their points heard. Uh, we've got lots of other different uh, groups. Chamber of Commerce have a role, the council has a role, um, and basically anyone else that wants to come and have a say. So we have some local um, community groups that are interested in the development of, of Barrival that say, well, I want to join this discussion because it's going to be about this. So everyone is on a, on a on level. There is no sort of um, boss, even though there is a chair, and, and we have um, regular discussions. We all come together. We come together at different venues. Uh, sometimes we might have 30 people in the room and sometimes we might have five or six, but we meet pretty well once a month and sometimes more regularly. And, and it's really been quite powerful that a small group of community people have actually driven what has changed in Barrival. And the biggest thing that came out really early on, and I think sometimes the people in Sydney and even in Canberra didn't understand that for it to make an impact in Barrival, it had to happen in Barrival. So um, I really pushed for this. We had um, services claiming that they were operating out of Barrival and they were operating in Coffs Harbour, which is 55 kilometres away or operating in Nambuckar or Maxwell, which are 10, 15 kilometres away. They didn't realise that that didn't meet, meet the needs of our community. So we have a community of approximately 2,500 people, about 40% Aboriginal. Um, we have two clubs, a pub, three takeaways, but we don't have a doctor. Um, they're the sort of things that we sort of started to have a bit of a push for. Uh, our, our health needs were clearly a high priority from from day one and we're only 15 kilometres off the Pacific Highway so it's not like we're in a remote location um, but our, our, our kids and our families couldn't access the services they need and what will come through the rest of the presentation is the amount of investment that was particularly put into health. Um, as, a, as a principal of a school I kept pushing the message and Louise has been amazing through this process to say if it's going to happen for our kids it needs to happen not only in Barrival but at school. Um, I was really challenged by uh, if a kid had to see a paediatrician in Coffs Harbour, they took the day off school. So, you know, they might have an appointment at 11 o'clock, they went up at 9 o'clock and they came back at 2 o'clock. They've had a whole day off school. Now, I don't know what other communities are like, but if a kid in a family goes to Coffs Harbour, then they're probably going to go to McDonald's or KFC at the same time. So the whole family's going to go because no kid's going to miss out on that opportunity. So these were the messages that we were really pushing to say we need more services in Barrival. And um, what has changed in the last 18 months in terms of the level of services, the quality of services, and it's, it's just amazing to see. Um, and hopefully we'll go through some of that as we go through. But at some point in the near future too, I hope we can celebrate that we will actually have a doctor in Barrival, and I'm pretty sure that's pretty close. Um, we still don't. We do have a chemist, which is... And it's interesting because the chemist is the point of service for um, people coming out of hospital for treatment of quite, you know, that you, if you've got a problem, you go and talk to the chemist, which is not really their role. So, um, so in terms of highlights and challenges for the groups, I think um, we, we, we celebrate how far we have come. This little group of people that beforehand had nothing to do with um, accords and high-level documents and talking about politics have had an involvement in, in making some real change and really the only one of these in the whole of Australia from what I understand. So um, we've still got a long way to go but our little group has stayed tight. We still meet regularly. It's not, we're not finished business. Uh, we have four priorities, health being one of them. Um, we've got education, 
Uh, we've got youth services as well, and we've got employment. There is no employment in Barrowville, which is, again, part of our concern as well. So. Thank you. Um, and I think, as David said, I actually worked really closely with the group um, and um, the whole community and to see how the Jan Milley Barunga group has actually matured in terms of its governance. Um, so they started off writing their terms of reference um, and obviously they, they sought the support of the organisations and Tracy and the solution brokerage team to do that. But at the end of the day, they had the final say around that um, and their which was quite interesting, their priorities were not a surprise, I guess, to health. And when you actually immerse yourself in the community, you kind of go, yeah, that makes complete sense. But even though it makes sense, it was really more powerful coming from the community. So um, I think, as David said, it hasn't stopped. Um, it's it's not going to stop anytime soon, but they're a group that needs support and um, are always maturing in terms of how that they um, govern their community. So... Um, it's, it's actually been really exciting to be a part of. Tracy Baker, near the window. So Tracy's our manager of integrated primary care on the local health district. So Tracy, the solution brokerage presented a massive opportunity to really demonstrate integration across organisations and from organisations um, that are nationwide with community. Can you tell us how the Mid-North Coast Local Health District work with the Jan Mili Burunga and what's changed from a service delivery perspective as a result of working with the group? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Louisa. Um, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit so that I can connect in with where health came from um, and how we got to, to be where, where we were working so closely with um, Jan Mili Burunga. Um, so back um, where Tracy Single was talking about, between 2000 and 13 and 15, health did have some um, responsibilities for providing services and re responding to the recommendations from the inquiry. Um, you know, we thought we were doing that. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about before we, uh, before the solution brokerage was um, actually triggered, and it was, and it was really we thought we were doing the right things. Um, the response to um, the recommendations was, on reflection, really disjointed and disorganised. So a whole bunch of organisations were responsible for some of these recommendations and implementing them. Um, they weren't recommendations we had a choice in. They weren't things that, as a local health district, we particularly thought were really our core business in many cases, and or um, we already thought we were doing these things. So we were, it was kind of like something, well, we have to do that, and we've all been in the space where we have to do it. What is it we're going to do? Um, and certainly from a local health district perspective, if any of you are involved in local health districts, they're big beasts of spaces where even internally we don't always know what's going on with the service next door. Um, so um, integrated care weren't involved in the beginning. We, our mental health um, and drug and alcohol teams and our family and child teams were involved and they were just kind of furrowing away thinking, you know, they were addressing the recommendations kind of on their own. Um, at that point, we only had, as David said, outreach services going to um, Barrowville. So we had um, mental health and drug and alcohol workers who were located in um, Maxville who were responsible for Barrowville, you know, and 
we thought as a local health district and we're reporting that they were providing a great service to Barraville, you know, not having connected with the community and understanding what did that really mean to them. Um, the same with our child and family team. Barraville in itself was really challenging for us as a health district because there were no suitable or appropriate and safe um, workspaces for our clinicians to work out of. So for us, we were providing the best service we could in our minds, um, given the circumstance. And that, I guess that's how we justified it as a local health district. Um, a small community, they're getting as much resource as any other community that size. We're doing okay in that space, I think is what we were thinking. Um, and, and so then um, we're plugging along, trying to you know um, address the recommendations and then Thankfully, <laughs> a higher power came in and, um, you know, we, the recommendations started to get looked at from, from a bigger perspective. I think the community started to make more noise, um, Aboriginal affairs got more involved and the solution brokerage was um, triggered. In hindsight, that was a that was a godsend to us. Um, in all reality, it gave us um, clear direction. It gave us access to resources that we didn't have before. Um, health's quite... Um, Oh, oh, bureaucratic at times. There, there's a lot of, you know, oh, ticks and boxes and you know, approvals you have to have to get anywhere. You know, things move very slowly. And so the um, triggering of the brokerage for us as a local health district absolutely gave us to me permission, I think, to work around some of those, you know, um, traditionally challenging um, roadblocks that, that we would have. Um, so, I do have a little note here from Louisa who wrote all our notes, you're, you're, there's a common theme here. The, I think one of the critical things that allowed us to do was um, employ a dedicated project officer for, for the Bowerville Solution Brokerage, which from a local health district perspective, to have one project officer dedicated to a small community like two, two and a half thousand people is actually quite a hefty um, resource in itself. Um, and we were lucky enough, this is the bit Louisa's written, to get the amazing Louisa, who oh, did continue to do um, a great that. job in that space. Um, so all of the work that I'm talking about here has probably been initiated and driven by Louisa, so I'm not just passing off that credit right now. Um, so under the solution brokerage, um, um, as David alluded to, the um, John Millie Barunga group was established. Um, actually a really highly functioning community group. I think sometimes we think we consult with community. We do it really tentatively. We're not quite sure that we can trust them to make sensible decisions because if we ask them what they want, they want everything and they want it now. Uh, uh, that's not the experience we've had with this group. They've been really considered um, in, in, the, in their approach and really respectful of the, the limited resources that we all, all bring. Um, so from a health perspective, what that looked like was that we regularly, participated um, in the um, community reference group meetings um, in the beginning, um, we actually listened and we worked with the community to hear what it was that they wanted from us. Um, we really quickly realised that the outreach services that we were providing were absolutely not meeting anyone's needs. Um, so we started looking at how could we improve that um, from a solution brokerage perspective and having Carolyn McNally kind of head that, uh, we got some fairly stern um, um, advice. <laughs> so we will be putting mental health workers full time in Barraville. 
and we will have our child and family health team located in Barraville. Okay, so where are we going to put them? Because we want them there tomorrow. Um, so there were lots of good things that came out of it, and I think we talk about the good things in a little while, so I'll just focus on the on the relationship now. But I think that relationship with the um, Janmili Baronga group just grew and grew through that because we were able to be a little responsive. They could see that we were listening and that we were actually being, you know, um, um, I guess respectful of what their needs were. And we suddenly stopped thinking we knew what was best for the community. Thanks, Tracy. Um, a particular example too is I was at one of the John Millie Barunga groups and it was one of the first early meetings that we went to and um, like I said, I, you know, consumers and patients have always been a focus of mine but, you know, there's always that kind of professional jargon that you've got to use and we were, you know, I was um, asked to go and present what services we were putting in and how we were going to put them in on the ground and um, Lulu, who Michelle Jarrett, who was on the video, she sort of looked at me and she said, well, you know, again, you've kind of just told us what we need and I was a bit like, uh-huh and she said, well... Um, do you want to know what we need? And I said, yeah, sure, like, let me know and I'll take it back, you know, as Tracy said, tick box and approvals. And she said, well, look at me, I'm fat. And she said, and I don't eat well. So she goes, why haven't you put a dietitian out here? I'm representative of the Aboriginal community and other people in the community here. I was like, yeah, that's a really interesting point. And given that they make up 40% of the community, so... I went back um, and relayed this information. And so this role um, was a direct report also to the chief executive, which um, was very scary at times, but also really good to be able to say, actually, this is what's going on out there. So um, our chief executive, Stuart Dowrick, listened to what I had to say, asked me to get evidence as to, you know, why can't people go to Maxville or Nambucca? What's the waiting list like in Maxville or Nambucca? And once we provided a holistic picture of, well, people can't get there because of transport issues, which we're working on in solution brokerage, but we actually have people, there's a there's a, uh, a gap and there's way, uh, no waiting list in Maxville. So we actually moved the service from Maxville to Barraville, which was a huge, huge cue for the community because it was that quick win to say, you know, we've actually taken on board your feedback and we talk to them a lot about um, service utilisation. So we monitor that and look at, okay, well, you know, how, how long's the waiting list? Who's uptaking the service? What's going on? What's the gaps if there is not a lot of uptake? So it is a constant flow of information. Um, and I think it is important really to acknowledge our CE, Stuart Dowrick, for the Mid-North Coast Local Health District, he showed a lot of commitment and dedication to innovation um, and also the capacity, gave us the capacity to really do something new and put a lot of faith and trust um, in me but also our staff to actually do things a little bit different than what we normally do and take time to build that relationship with the community and um, I think in itself that's a massive achievement for quite a big LHD um, to have a particular focus on a small community like Barraville but acknowledging their, um, you know, their importance in the scheme of things. So we're actually, um, the, at the end of the last video, we had a, um, a saying that says our, our children are our future. So we're actually going to focus on the youth of Barraville and I'm just going to show another clip. When I met with the elders in the community and some of the more senior people in the community, they told me that their focus on doing stuff for Barrow has to be on our children and our future. I know for a lot of 
being unfaithful and, and even myself, it's really hard to share my thoughts and feelings around what I think about myself, about community or whatever that is. So Solution Brokerage is about trying to improve those things and increasing the resilience of, of our community and our town. But if there's one thing in your community that you wanted to change or make better, what would it be? So looking at the uh, the age of the youth um, in that video, I think it's quite insightful um, about what they want and what they dream about. Um, and I don't think any one of us that have watched that have never gone, wow, like we really need to do something out here and actually give these kids a future and opportunities. David, I'm throwing back to you. So can you tell us how Barraville has impacted on our school students or our youth in Barraville? Um, well, uh, one of the big challenges that came out of the brokerage, obviously, was um, employment and, and my uh, key focus as an educator is providing opportunities for our students um, when they leave school. Um, and for a lot of them, that is they want to stay in Barrable, but there is no employment um, or very little employment. Uh, we once upon a time were a dairy community and we had a, a, a big dairy in town that employed about 300 people. Ten years ago, that closed, so that was the only industry in town. So we need to look for other opportunities, and so um, a big part of that, what we do at school, is about creating opportunities for students to get skills to work at home or create things and be creative. We have a makerspace classroom, but through the brokerage um, process and my connection with health. Um, we, we wanted to think big and think about what possible um, employment opportunities there are for for our kids and and in the health industry certainly is one thing we're getting a new hospital in Maxville I know it's in Maxville not in Barrable but um, we are getting in, in Maxville and they're building a new hospital there is potential opportunities for um, employment and about six or seven months ago Louisa and I had a bit of a meeting with um, Craig Dukes from um, AIDA the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association and she came up with this idea that maybe they should have one of their meetings in Barrable um, and from that, from little things, big things grow, or whatever you might want to say, and you'll see the video about it, we ended up putting on a day um, at Barrowville Central School where we had 500 students, um, a significant proportion of them being Indigenous from all across the North Coast, um, who listened to not only the doctors from AIDA, but they had, we had the midwives, the allied health workers, um, and, and all the Mid-North Coast health services, so we had about 40 displays on the day, get, got to meet doctors, inspired young people to maybe consider uh, uh, going into the health profession or not, or just the idea of going into the, to going to university and getting out of Barrowville and, and seeing what the world's out and then maybe coming back and using their skills when they come back, or not come back, but um, the, the idea was that they, they might come back. One of the most powerful things was little kids, kindergarten kids, year one, year two kids, talking to the doctors, um, and there is over 300 um, Aboriginal doctors in Australia now and another 300 currently at university and talking to these people and saying, I could be a doctor one day and we actually shared those stories on the day. Or what did it mean when you had to leave your community and go off to Sydney or Melbourne or Canberra or wherever and go to university? How did you deal with that? Because I've got so much family pressures to stay connected to my community. I don't think I could do that. So that was a really big thing that I don't think without... Um, this process, that day would ever, ever have happened. Um, those opportunities for those kids would have ever happened. And, and if it means that one kid um, has an opportunity to possibly become a doctor from this group, then it was really worthwhile. It was just an amazing day. So, um, 
Yeah, our challenges are still there. We, we deal with significant numeracy and literacy. We deal with significant hardship and, and, um, and poverty. Uh, you don't need to see poverty by going 500 kilometres away from a major city. You can see it pretty close to the Pacific Highway, but that's one thing. Did you have a question? I'm a former teacher and worked in developing countries in schools <laughs> there. Um, it's, uh, you obviously are measuring outcomes. What are your outcomes since you put this program in place? Are, they, are you showing measurable improvements or is it too early? Well, it's too early. Thank you, great question. Um, it is too early. Uh, and the outcomes that I might have predicted we would have measured are not necessarily the outcomes we're starting to measure either, which is a difficult thing. But um, when we put the day on, we just thought, oh, this would be an amazing inspirational thing where kids can see some doctors. But what we actually ended up happening was that we had, um, we made it a healthy focus day. So there was all healthy food on the day and we got kids opportunities to uh, our hospitality students opportunities to cater for 500 people on the day. So things that have come out of that day, we couldn't measure. Um, what it really did do in terms of outcomes though is it brought us all together. So even though um, all of the uh, workers, most of the workers on the day were, were Indigenous, um, it was for non-Indigenous students and Indigenous students. And, and part of the Bowerville Brokerage, the solution is the healing of the whole town. Uh, because the, the tragedy of 27, 28 years ago, affected the whole town, the Aboriginal community and the non-Aboriginal community. And we're at a point now where uh, the town is healing and I'm hoping to be part of the journey to get to that point. Um, and what's been really powerful with this process is early on we had a bit of an opportunity to get everything off your chest and yell at each other or do whatever you needed to do. Our meetings aren't like that anymore. Our meetings now are about, so what can we do? How can we all be on the same page? And if you don't want to be at that table, you just don't come to the meetings, really. So I know that's a roundaway answer to answer your question, but the problem is I don't know what outcomes we're measuring. Yeah. I'd love to just ask you this. Yes. Um, are you finding the kids are more focused at school because of this project? Uh, I, I know you have to test them in terms of literacy and numeracy, and that's, it's hard to measure in 18 months. Yeah. But, but are you finding the kids are more ambitious as a result of this process? Uh, see themselves as being able to do things that perhaps they've never seen themselves being able to do before? And again, if you just pick one kid, then that, then you've, you've succeeded. Um, we certainly have our tough days, but uh, one of the students who was in there, Esther, um, she she has just gone into uh, nursing. Uh, she's in year 11 doing a traineeship through mid, um, uh, Lower North Coast, and she's just started at Maxwell Hospital. Uh, and I don't think she would have done that before this. So we've grabbed one kid, and you know, you never know who we're going to grab that are younger and just watch that as well. It was really good that. We, we opened the invitation up to the Aboriginal students from between Kempsey and Coffs Harbour. So we had about an extra 150 students at the school on the day. And I don't know about those kids that we touched on the day, but um, I'm sure we, we, we got a lot. So, yeah, and we won't know for years to come. Yeah. And there might be that story that someone talks about that goes, well, I remember that day back at Barrowville in 2018 and that's what changed my life. So. 
And I think that's one of the things that we've all learned as well with Solution Brokerage. So they do have a six month from trigger to completion, so to speak. But, you know, the biggest focus was around sustainability. And so what we have found is, it, you know, you can't measure relationship development and you can't measure um, outcomes this early on when you're actually trying to really build trust in the community. But... Um, I think, yeah, we, we had some kids who at, on the day, and you'll sort of see it in the video we show a bit later, the kids had to write a, what they got from today on a post-it note and put it at the start and, um, you know, and people proudly wearing, I can be a doctor tattoo by the end of the day and, that you know, and the biggest thing for me was initially when we engaged with Craig Jukes and he, he brought the organisations together, they said, oh, you know, this is not our focus. This is not our core business. We want to be looking at medical students or students doing midwifery or allied health. And um, Craig showed, you know, utter commitment to this. He's actually based in Canberra. And I couldn't believe it. By the end of the day, the people from Cats in Am and Natsiwa and um, Indigenous Allied Health Australia and AIDA, they're just walking around going, and they had a meeting, a bit of a huddle afterwards, and they were like, we actually need to be focusing on primary school kids. We need to be inspiring them for the future, not just the, the current students that we've got now. So um, there is plans for that. I think we all needed a bit of time to come down off that before we actually looked at what... Um, what our next steps are, but proudly we've actually been nominated for the Chief Executive Close the Gap Award at the Mid-North Coast Local Health District and um, and that's, I think, a massive achievement just from that one day and um, in our, you know, relatively small local yeah. health district. And, and on the day um, we got national coverage from ABC and, and other um, media throughout the day as well. Um, for me, one of the biggest powerful messages in the day was watching the because we invited the preschool kids and, and the, some areas kids as well, and watching little preschool kids um, suturing up sausages, that was little, one of the activities. Uh, and some of them were pretty good too. Now those sort of things were just so powerful. And they did the bones, where they painted the bones on their hands and lots of stuff, so yeah. Um, we just never would have had that opportunity without this happening. You know, we can do small things, but this was a huge, huge day, so. Yeah, it was, was amazing. Great. Thanks, Dave. And we will show that video shortly. I'm gonna throw to Tracy Singleton now. So, Tracy, engaging with the Aboriginal population is essential. Um, and to be led on this journey by the Aboriginal community within Barraville was very humbling and very emotional for me. I didn't know anything about Barraville, um, but to be taken on a journey um, and understand how Aboriginal people were treated in the community, uh, it just gives you a sense of reality that you, you can't get from watching movies or reading papers or whatever. This was real. These were people in the community. Tracy, I'm really keen to hear how, I guess, the collaborative partnership contributed to closing the gap for members of the Aboriginal community within Barraville? Okay. Well, firstly, um, something I left out at the beginning is that this is quite a unique solution brokerage. Solution brokerage is usually about Aboriginal people. and But Barraville, when it was declared, it was about the whole community. And that was quite unique. It had never been done. I mean, there was only three solution brokerage, but the fact that it was for the whole community was something really new. And I think a lot of agencies struggled with that too. Um, I think we need to acknowledge that um, to close the gap, we've got to understand the nature of the community in Barrowville. That it's quite factionalised, factionalised for a variety of reasons. Um, they all have their own story, and I felt that we need to respect those stories because everyone's story is different. How they um, react to things is how they react. 
and we need to accept that. Also, as an Aboriginal person, we, I do tend to just accept the status quo as well and getting them to understand that they didn't have to in this case. Solution Brokerage is about them not accepting that that service is providing a service. You're not happy with that service. We may be able to actually work with you to change that service um, because that's what Solution Brokerage is about. We often throw a service into an Aboriginal community and say, there you go, we'll, you know, we'll save you. But in this case, that wasn't going to happen. So I thought that was really important. Um, watching agencies start to collaborate was really important. I think that helped. And the community seeing the agencies coming together yeah. and working together, turning up at functions together. There was a number of barbecues and workshops that the secretary actually um, put on. Um, and all the agencies turned up. So when you see half a dozen police officers walk in and they're actually a part of that was quite, I think, empowering for the community, that they'd actually done enough that we could actually bring all these people to the table. Um, and something that uh, Louise said earlier, not only were they listening, they actually heard the community, which is um, quite, it's one thing to listen, but it's another thing to actually hear what they're saying. And I think Solution Brokerage has done that and that's helped close the gap as well. Um, and getting um, access to services that we're all entitled to. You know, whether you live in a big town, a city, or a very small community, you're entitled to the same service. I mean, it's not always a reality, but we do. We, we should be able to access those services one way or another. And totally agree with Dave. If one goes to Coffs Harbour for something, the whole family get in the car and they go, and sometimes they don't come back that day. So there's, you know, we, we really need to think about that. I think think about how the community is going to benefit from services within the community. Health is extremely important to this community. The doctor left the, the a medical service, left the town in 2012 and nothing had been replaced. A bus comes in every now and then and picks up community members if they want to go to the doctors, but not everybody's going to get on the bus. There were people getting sick or there were deaths in the community that were preventable. So we needed to address that as well. So I think that we're starting to address that. Community's very excited. They um, have the feeling that a doctor's coming and that's probably the biggest thing that was came out of every time we had a, a workshop, everyone said they wanted a doctor and it didn't matter whether you're Aboriginal or not. Very um, an ageing community as well. So you have this young Aboriginal population in town, very obvious, extremely obvious in the school system and an ageing population as well. And they don't want to leave town. They don't want to go elsewhere for services. Just how it is. Um, so one example of that was um, dental. Um, I got rung up very early when I became the principal and said, um, we're going to have the, the dental people come out and check the kids and then if they've got any issues, then they can go to um, Port Macquarie to the clinic. Um, now, apparently they did that two years ago um, and there were like 15 or 16 quite major things and, of course, nobody actually turned up to the appointment later on. And so... We did a bit of push, and I think Louisa helped with this as well. And I said, well, we just need to have the dental van come and actually do it at the school on the day. So they tested all the kids in the primary, and we've got about 90 students in the primary area, so up to 10-year-olds. And we had 16 major dental concerns, abscesses, tooth extractions, those sort of things. And they were able to treat them basically on the same day. So the next day, you know, 20% of our primary kids suddenly weren't bears with sore teeth, you know, and it makes a huge impact. So talk about out outcomes. I can certainly see, could instantly see the outcome for that. We've had similar things with, um, with OT, with speech, hearing, audiometry, all those sorts of things that we've just said, no, it has to be unbearable. And well, that's been a big change. That just didn't happen before, so. Yeah, yeah that's great. And I suppose the benchmark was also set by community transport of all 
um, agencies in the, out from the very beginning, the first workshop, workshop that happened in the community. They brought a number of secretaries to the community, quite unique, bringing them all up from Sydney and coming to Barrable. And one of those secretaries, I was his scribe, and teachers from Barrable Central actually looked for him and actually studied his thing and said, we have a problem with getting kids to sport, we have kids going to traineeships, school-based traineeships, and we can't get them there. Kids can't get to the doctors, kids can't get anywhere. And they actually implemented a pro pilot program in Barrable that a child can use their bus pass and they can use it any time of day to go wherever they need to go. And it's the first, we're hoping that it becomes a statewide um, pilot. But yeah, that was the first step. And then they put actually community transport in Barrable. So there is transport in Barrable as well which was interesting. So as we say from little things, big things grow, hopefully. Um, and I think as a non-Aboriginal person, one of the, um, the biggest things I learned about the Aboriginal culture is family and that you can't just offer um, a service for someone. It's actually got to be holistic and it's got to include the family. And that, like it's essential. You just have to change the way that you think. Thanks, guys. Um, so we might actually... Our next question was around the highlights, um, and we are sort of getting close to running out of time, which is exciting. Um, but I want to actually show you the clip of the AIDA event where the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association brought together the four peak health Indigenous um, organisations, so the national... Um, I'm not going to be able to say them now. The Natsiwaya Katsinam, so which is the Nurses and Midwives, the Aboriginal Health Worker Association and the Indigenous Allied Health Association as well as AIDA. Um, and they came and put on a day um, at the school. And David was, um, David's students jumped on this to help be a part of it. Um, the cookery students actually catered for the day and got some work placement hours. Um, it's phenomenal, and when you see the kids' smiles, you can't help but get all warm and fuzzy. So today is an exciting day. It's about connecting with community. It's about encouraging our young kids to continue on in education. It's also about showing role models and, and bringing role models into schools like this. We see that engaging the kids at an early age, you know, and give them an idea of the possibilities that are open to them. Some of the students, they actually fall in love with it and they, you know, see it as a permanent career for them. I'm a nutritionist, so there's only myself and four other qualified Indigenous nutritionists in the whole of Australia. So it's talking about what we do and how you can do something like that too. It's giving them goals, dreams that you can go to. The kids that are coming here today to see people that are midwives and nurses and doctors and working for these big organisations and to know that there is that support there and that if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a nurse or a midwife, it's really accessible. It's exciting to be a doctor and it's something that they can do and sitting down and suturing up a sausage, they can really see that, well, I can do this. This is something that, you know, I can perhaps do in the future and just listening to the kids and looking at them and seeing how proud they are of the work that they've done, it's just really inspiring. And I want them to go home and have someone say to them, have you thought about becoming a doctor? Because that didn't happen to me when I was growing up. I think my motto is you can't be what you can't see. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring health workers into a space like this and encourage our kids to think about their future and what they want to do for their future and know it's possible. Yeah, that was
was a great day that I think um, we all we all think was a bit of a highlight for our career actually. Um, so we've talked a lot about the highlights and we've, we've not got long to go, but I might actually ask um, each of the panel members to quickly identify what have been some of or what was one of the biggest challenges for them personally and professionally. Personally, um, I'm related to most of the people involved in solution brokerage in Barrable, so that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, but I find it very easily to separate when it comes to work and they, most people in the community know that. Um, the highlight for me is that through this process there have been more achievements than we ever anticipated. So that was, that's pretty extraordinary for me. Um, well, I'll start with the highlight for me. Um, highlight for me is that we now have at-level meetings regularly with people that can make a difference to the Barrel community and that just didn't happen before. So um, I'm able to have contact with someone at the same level of me who can actually make a decision from family and children's services, from the police, from health, uh, from TAFE. Uh, we all can get together, we all regularly contact each other now. So if we need to make something happen, it just happens. Um, beforehand, that was the bureaucracy of making a decision was just so, took so long that it just didn't happen. Um, so now if something comes up, for example, um, TAFE are about to do a new program for um, disengaged youth in town, uh, 15 to 21 year old um, people, so some of them are our students and some have left, but they probably all had to connect to our school at some point. And Jill from TAFE contacted me and said, right, I want to do this, it fits into our, our key priorities, um, let's make it happen. Um, beforehand, the, the, you would have just had to jump through so many hoops to make something like that happen, but now we just go, right, let's just do it. So that connects are really important. Um, obviously, I deal with um, groups like Family and Children Services a lot too. So um, having someone at the end of the phone that I can ring and say, this is a current priority in, in town, what can we do about it? It makes things happen far faster. So that's been a big highlight for me. Um, as well as just seeing people working together and people being positive um, for the future of our town. Because not only am I the principal of the school, I also live in Barraville as well. So um, I am part of the part of the community. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm about that. In terms of challenges, I. I don't think I have too many. We've worked through them all. It's been great. That's a good outcome. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I probably just want to cover off, just so that you can, I get, guess, get a picture of, um, you know, apart from the, the big amazing things that have happened, the, the smaller things on the ground, I think, that are going to make um, a difference to the community moving forward from a health perspective and, um, and and what this allowed us from health to do, which I didn't quite touch on before. So um, there are a number of things, and as we said, there was normally the house um, health services in Barrow. So through the solution brokerage and the, um, the communication and connection we've had with the um, community reference group, we were able to uh, firstly identify places that the community felt reasonably properly safe in because that's certainly a challenge in Barrow. I think there's some um, complexities there as Tracy um, mentioned. Um, so we did refurbish um, a couple of the existing buildings that co and co-located some of our staff with existing services that are being provided um, already in Barrow. So um, there's an Aboriginal um, organisation in Barrow called Mimi Mothers and we set up a, um, we redid a shed out the back and did that up and that's where our mothers and um, child and family teams um, sit because that connects really nicely with the work that Mimi Mothers was already doing at 
a really accepted space for the community. Um, we set up initially our drug and alcohol mental health team in Phoenix, which is a, a local organisation that um, houses and works with um, disability services, etc. So that was another really nice space. Um, in the main street, there was um, an older building that the local AMS, um, Aboriginal Medical Service, used to provide services out of. Um, however, it no longer met any of the work health and safety regulations for a health service to be provided out of. Um, so in partnership with the Aboriginal Medical Service, um, there we did completely refurbish the building. It's actually, we, Louisa and I suggest it's a shame we don't have some pictures for that. It's now um, you know, a really nice, light, bright space. We've had um, an opening by the local Aboriginal community there, so they feel comfortable in that space. Right now we're providing mental health, drug and alcohol services from there. We've got co-located um, staff from the Aboriginal Medical Service working from there as well, and there's still some further renovations to happen out the back. Um, in addition to that, as Louisa mentioned, we've got dietetic services um, being provided face-to-face -face in Barrable. Um, we've got, um, we had audio, we've had audiometry actually um, visit the school similar to the dental service that um, David alluded to as a direct response to what the community said they needed. So um, rather than be expecting, you know, these families and children to be travelling, we took our service into the schools and, and it's my understanding that that was an amazing experience for everyone and actually had some really good outcomes. As a local health district, we run um, an Elisa, it's called Alice Dixon um, mentoring program for young Aboriginal people in our whole community across the Midlands Coast of Local Health District footprint. Um, students in year 11 and 12 sign up for the program and they, they work um, with our local health district clinicians in a, um, a work placement type setting. So they get the taste for, the learn for, um, they, they can start their careers while they're still in year 11 and 12, get a real good understanding of what's going on in the community. We have never had any students identified from Barrow to be part of that. We looked at what that was about and some of the challenges were, of course, um, Transport, so you know the work that Tracy alluded to with transport certainly can help that. But we've worked with the local schools to um, identify um, a student from Barrow to be in our next cohort for that program. So you know there's a there's a lot of work happening. Um, we tried really hard to employ local Aboriginal people um, in our Aboriginal health centre, which is in the um, Aboriginal Medical Service out there. Um, at the moment, we're trying to recruit to an um, admin position out there. We actually don't have anyone in our teams, in our local teams, um, who have the skill set that we need for that. Um, so we're working to get someone to go out there and actually be trained up so it is an identified position, co-funded with COAG and the local health district. So everything about the community that we're doing in that community is about partnership, and I think that's the true um, reflection there. Big challenge for us as a local health district was actually changing the way we think. Mm. Um, not accepting that we are doing the right thing just because we think we are, but actually changing that thinking to look at actually what are the needs and are we really meeting those? Um, and the accountability and reportability that came with solution brokerage so that the community actually was seeing what we were doing. You know, there was such transparency there, and for us that was quite challenging in the beginning. Yeah. That was great. I think um, as an addition to that, um, 
I think often what we do is reactive, it's not proactive. And so what Solution Brokerage allowed us to do as an LHD was to have a strategic vision long-term um, with the community. And I think that's really important and will actually change the way that we, you know, because we're actually referring to Barraville now and we provide feedback on other documents that need to go up to the ministry. And it has really changed the way that we deliver services and see um, the delivery of services for the future. So it's while it's been challenging, it's it's so exciting to be a part of it, really. Yeah, and I'm not sure if we're going to get a chance or not, but um, I did also just want to touch on... Um, you know, it's not finishing here. While the solution brokerage may officially be, be finished, it's actually not finishing here for Hill. Um, we have a North Lund, um plan for Barrable, um, so that will be a standalone purpose-built um, health facility for Barrable. Um, and um, we're, we're, Louise is doing some great work with the community at the moment to um, organise pop, some pop-up flu clinics, um, because there's no way for the community out there to access um, their, their flu needles, for example, and so, you know, they're disadvantaged in that way. Um, we have touched a little on um, general practice provision in Barable, and I think it's probably um, would be remiss of me from Hill not to touch on that as well, but um, I'm sure you can all understand that providing general practice services is actually not not normally the responsibility of state health. It's a federally funded federal government program. Um, and so we did push back quite a bit for a long time, saying, you know, there are other, there are other ways that we should be looking at getting general practice in Barrable. Um, we certainly don't ever want to step in and take over from um, private business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's been quite a journey. However, it's very clear to us and, I think, um, the ministry um, that that's not going to happen in Barrable. So we have been actually recruiting, actively recruiting, um, from a local health district perspective for general practitioners in Barrable and, and we are very close to finalising that recruitment and we don't want to kind of hinder our chances because securing general practice in a very small community is difficult at the best of times. Um, so I don't want to kind of fall on, kind of get too far in front of that but um, that's absolutely our next step I think um, from and I think that that really shows that we have listened and are taking on board what the community says and, um, you know, trying to respond to that as best we can. We might actually finish up um, now and I just want to say thank you um, to you guys for actually coming to listen to us today. It was very intimate but I think it was actually really nice. Um, this is been a program that has been a big part of our life, um, particularly for some of us for a couple of years now. We've lived and breathed it um, and it is very um, rewarding. I think sometimes you don't get that reward in your job of seeing what you've come from to where you've come to. Um, and I think above all we're community and we've become really good friends but have that professional boundary as well of um, look at what we've achieved but you know what we can do better and I think that's really important so and I want to thank these guys for coming because they actually did all the hard work today um, in talking um, you through the process so um, I'm going to throw it open to any questions now from anyone from the floor thank you Tracy could I ask a question please um, uh, thank you very much to everybody for an uh, inspirational story and uh, a wonderful model I'm interested in the solutions that you've developed and 
how transferable those solutions are to other communities um, and across the state and, and potentially across the country. Are they transferable or is the model such that the solutions must always be developed within the community? Yeah, Secretary McNally, she says there are 10 secretaries and they all need to take the community and they actually need to implement a model. The model will never be the same, but it is, there is, um, we're doing a bit of an evaluation on this model because it was very resource intensive. No one actually knew what was going to happen, um, so it surprised everybody. So, but yes, there is absolute potential for this to happen in other communities, small communities and maybe some large ones as well. Tracy, would you say that I guess one of the fundamental um, transferable um, concepts that have come from it, which isn't come from it, which isn't new, but it's about collaboration with community and um, the uniqueness of communities and actually working alongside them to make change. Oh, absolutely. If the Thanks, Karen, for asking that question. I think that was one of the questions I had. The other question was the process that you developed and the local health, health district um, um, changed from thinking you knew what the community needed to actually listening to the community uh, and taking their needs as the, the priorities. You know, in development, we call that the development. A community development approach. Is that something actively that the local health districts are looking at, that that needs-based approach now? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we've always thought, as, as I said, and I'm sure in pockets we do it much better than in other pockets. Um, and in teams, I think we do it much better than in other teams. Um, and we've always thought that we're really community-minded and that we do co-design with community. We have our own local health district um, community reference group, which is a long-standing. Um, our board members actually go out regularly and talk to community to hear what they want. Um, I think we were hearing it in certain spaces, but not translating that. And yes, so absolutely, I think one of the biggest things we've learned from, a, certainly me personally and from a local health district perspective, is that we really can safely and truly partner with communities. Um, we, don't, we don't have to maintain that uneven balance that we tend to see um, our, ourselves as a little bit, you know, we know best because we're, you know, we're professionals in health. Um, we don't have to keep that there. And I think across the board, our teams are seeing that. Not all of our teams work in barrels, so they haven't all been, um, I, I guess, as exposed to this. Um, but from an integrated primary care perspective, it's absolutely what we're trying to translate across our district. Um, we have introduced our patient reported measures program um, across the district in a lot of spaces and that's opening those conversations. Uh, does anybody else have a question? Hi, hi. Um, my name's Deborah and I'm one of the consumer rapporteurs and I would really like to congratulate you. This has been one of the most um, interesting, amazing, um, sessions I've been to and um, we can learn a lot about how to design and co-design and collaborate and communicate from the way that you just shared your story so thank you so very much and can I please have a photo of you all so I can pop it on the Twitter feed yes. <laughs> thank you that that's a lovely comment thank you
It was a lovely comment, and I think we'd all um, support and endorse that comment. Thank you very much for a wonderful session. We really enjoyed your presentations and the opportunity to discuss Thank with you, you and, uh, and the privilege of hearing what an inspirational story you have to share. Thank you very much, everybody. And Thank you.